We are back with the Cold Star Project. And man, it's truth from the radio booth here about the scaling of businesses, what it really requires and not the vapid nonsense of biz op sales copy. So I'm here with Pat Laverne, who I connected with because I was looking through various people that I could connect with and I saw something really cool in his description. He said, I help SaaS startups scale their MRR by building a sales strategy that closes more leads. And I was like, yes, this is a guy who I want to get to know and selfishly because Cold Star helps people who are up here and if he can help them get from the start to here, maybe that's a good uh, relationship to have, right? So I wanted to connect and hear more about what Pat has done and he's been gracious enough to come on and talk to us about a role that he had in the SaaS space. So Pat, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Jason. You bet. So let's get right into it. What kind of a business uh, story would you like to share with our audience? So I will share the last time I actually worked for someone. So it's a SaaS in the HR tech space. Um, I, can, I can plug them, I guess, right? So the name sure. is Office Vibe. And basically this SaaS, what they're, what they're doing uh, is actually helping teams uh, in organization um, know in real time, so management of the team knows exactly what's going on with their employees across 26 different metrics. And so it just beats the hell out of the annual survey. So like it's like the annual survey 2.0. Okay. So digging deeper, getting better feedback so that they can figure out what to do with their HR and strategic objectives and that kind of thing. Exactly. It's fully anonymous. So employees really actually love that because they can really say everything that goes through their mind and management loves it because they get to know exactly what's going on before it's too late and their best employees actually leave the company. Okay. So you've got an interesting platform, an interesting service. What's the problem? Right. So I joined this amazing company uh, through some friends being introduced. Uh, I'm from Montreal myself, but I was already living in Toronto and these, these guys are in Montreal and it's a bootstrap company. Um, so they're doing their own show. Uh, it's a bunch of, uh, of guys who don't have a sales background. So they're, you know, all engineers and, and devs. And, uh, and at that point, uh, when they approached me, the platform has approximately a thousand, um, customers, uh, I would say small organizations pocketed between the East Coast and the West Coast in the States and in Canada. Uh, and, uh, and they want to scale, they want to really like, like put their, their feet on the, on the gas pedal and accelerate things. And uh, they, don't, they don't have a sales operation at that point. And so they asked me if, I'm, if I would like to actually join in and uh, it seemed too good to be true. And that was actually my first uh, my first uh, um, stint in the, the tech space. And so that's something I really wanted to do. So I moved back to Montreal to help these guys out. So that's how it started. Okay. What kind of indicators were there other than, hey, we're not making sales, that there's a problem? Right. So, so they, were, they were doing a lot of great stuff with marketing, actually. So, so sales, not so much, but they had this, you know, they, they were basically acquiring their clients through uh, creating a lot of content. So they had like, a, like a, this blog going on that was really uh, popular. And they, they, by the time I showed up, they had like a, new, uh, a, a newsletter that, uh, that had approximately half a million people, uh, MQLs for the most, so marketing qualified leads, that were actually interacting with the newsletter. But they weren't doing anything with that stuff. And if you were to go on their website at the time, 
uh, they wouldn't even like advertise for you know a demo or pricing or just let's get in touch there was none of that basically um, so it was mostly their strategy when I when I joined was uh, they had a two-week free trial so for people to just sign up by themselves it was totally self-serve uh, so they couldn't talk to anyone uh, they would sign up and then a portion of the, the people who signed up would after two weeks would uh, would uh, purchase the uh, the platform right <laughs> so not much in the way of calls to action and then a sales process where leads are in with a free demo and then we just sort of hope that they convert exactly paying customers yeah and accidentally <laughs> a certain portion does I see uh, is anybody looking at this and going hey could we improve on that or are they just kind of throwing up their hands and going well oh, that, that's it that is the way it is well, you know, the place was filled with really intelligent people, but mm -hmm. like overly stretched people as well. Like, like the okay. founders were wearing like multiple hats. When, when I joined, there was 16 people in that company. Uh, it, was, it was roughly 2 million, you know, uh, ARR mm -hmm. uh, business. And they knew, they knew they could do so much more, but uh, at the same time, they didn't really have the sales expertise. So they, you know, they weren't, they weren't too keen on like experimenting too much on their own. So that's when they realized that they needed some help. Um, but, uh, yeah, so when I joined, like for me, that was paradise being someone from sales because I, I had like a lot of, uh, of resources to work with a lot of leads, a lot of untapped potential and this amazing platform. And actually one of the reasons why I joined them is that I was actually a client. I forgot to say this. I was a customer mm -hmm. of their platform without even knowing that I'd eventually work there. And I, so I knew the value behind that platform myself. Okay. That, that's great. When you don't have to worry about fulfillment. Right, that is taken care of. Oh, and I've got this pool of leads that I can learn quickly from by, by interacting with, right? And yeah. we see this a lot. I'm actually gonna record a solo episode about this. In the SaaS world, that concentration of, oh, you've got to book demos as the only sales and marketing process is very dangerous, right? You go down that road, and the danger that you can get into is that the founders have created this solution that it turns out nobody really wants, right? And so they book demos with people who really aren't that interested, there's no buy-in, and all the wonderful features that have been come up with, nobody cares. We see this a lot. So tell me about what you did as far as implementing a solution. How did you go about putting into some structure here about how am I going to help them scale this business from 2 million ARR? Right. So I guess the first thing I did when I joined, I think as pretty much anyone would do is I just took the time to assess and understand the platform, but also understand the processes. And I, you know, I, day one, I realized they, we had two people in the company and what they were doing, they were like with the marketing team. So they were, walking around in Montreal and they were, they, they would try to get sit downs with, with potential clients and then just show them that there was a free trial and their job was to put people on the free trial, even if they weren't qualified at all. Hmm. And uh, they had like a quota to fill for free trial. So, so try understanding these things, um, profiling our clients. So like I was interested in knowing what are the clients that are actually signing with us? Why? And why, why other profiles aren't signing with us? And really trying to make sense of, you know, is it, is it a, a, because of the platform is not, uh, is not catering to their needs or it's because we're simply not good with our messaging enough to convey that value that we already have. So it's, you know, I, I pretty much took a month to, uh, to just assess everything and, uh, and really understand what was going on. Okay. 
it's not a perverse incentive the get the signups right you've got this quote of signups but it's not a very good one for getting qualified leads as you pointed out and so by finding out okay what's our typical client profile what does that look like who could we filter leads for to find people who have a greater chance of signing up here and what kind of noises are they making <laughs> that that tell us hey we could uh, repeat these noises again. We could broadcast them out, right? And, and say, look, if you're listening, if this kind of noise makes sense to you, these are usually called pain points, by the way. <laughs> for, for those who are watching, Pat knows this, right? But I'm repeating it for those who, who are watching who may not know that. Uh, you're going to draw in people from that target market who fit that profile and are interested. And that's the kind of person that you want to get to have a look at a demo or sign up for a free trial. So tell us about a little bit more about the process and the results. Right. So what I discovered at that point is uh, the vast majority of our clients were all at the same profile. So it was either uh, a small startup t in tech um, that was like an innovator and they were looking for ways to retain their talent because a small startup, especially in places like on the West Coast in the States or on the East Coast, uh, they're, they're fighting for talent. They want to make sure they retain their talent, make sure they, they're well taken care of. And so they would proactively look for solutions such, a, such as mm -hmm. Office Vibe. Um, and the other factor that made them turn into clients is because it, it was a small team, the cost was pretty low because the, the business model was a price per seating. So you pay okay. a certain amount of money per employee. So we, we, we had a bunch of these clients that were smaller clients, uh, but we wanted to go into more, you know, traditional industries and larger organizations as well. We wanted to raise our average uh, price pricing, mm. uh, the money we're getting in yeah. per, uh, for each customer, basically. So, um, so what we did is actually we started researching then, okay, so how, how do we get to these people? And we started just, you know, doing a lot of market research and getting to talk to these, uh, these potential uh, clients. And there was another subset of clients that we had, which were uh, larger organizations, but we just had one team within the larger organization. So for example, mm -hmm. think of a bank, but like just the innovation, you know, team mm -hmm. from the bank, which could have been like 20 employees, for example. So again, they, they kind of shared the traits of uh, that tech startup, but in a much larger setting. And so through these people, we were able to kind of get into conversation with, you know, uh, like a division of a bank or, or larger organizations like that, and just, just assess the gap between what we were offering and what, mm -hmm. how we were talking about it and what they were hoping for. Because for, for most of them, they were, they were pretty much stuck on the, you know, the annual survey and it wasn't, you know, basically doing the job. So then it was for us to understand. So once we understood, you know, uh, that our, our platform was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect for, for all of the, the profiles out there, but for organizations, you know, I'd say like hundred employees to maybe 500 employees, like it was, the platform was perfect. Yet we didn't, we didn't have a single client. Then we got down and started working with marketing to, to just adjust a little bit the copy, adjust the, web, the website and prepare to, uh, to start driving you know, those, those sales qualified leads down the funnel and then for the new sales team to, uh, to you know, basically nurture those, these SQLs, qualify them, uh, enable them and bring them all the way to the close. Okay, you, you mentioned a sales team just now. Mm -hmm. So did you have people working for you 
Was yeah. Ended up working for you. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I'd say one, once we were done assessing everything, I took these two guys I was telling you about that were roaming Montreal and I, I, I you know, I, I treated them to a really good dinner because like the news would be tough because I, I basically told them, hmm. I know this is kind of fun what we're doing right now, but uh, we need, we need to scale and we need to, to be more in volume at this point. And so we're going to have to transition these roles into uh, inside sales. So we'll need to be on the phone and we'll, we'll, we'll be much more um, efficient that way. And the, the guys that were really cool, they understood. And so basically that's how we started the sales team with these two, uh, two people uh, to, to start setting up the sales funnel and then, you know, go on with the sales activities. Okay. So by that point you had figured out what that ideal client profile looked like, what the pain points look like, what the copy should look like, how to filter, what else did you do to get a process in place for those salespeople so that you could see consistent results and, and maybe measure and manage when they were off track? Right. So, um, so internally we, we just landed together on, and this is like highly uh, iterative. So we went through a lot of iteration, but we mm -hmm. built our own, I guess you can call own playbook. And in there uh, together as a team, we came up with, you know, the sales, uh, the sales process. So thinking about the, the, the stranger to customer journey or the buyer's journey, just trying to understand, putting ourselves in the shoes of our buyer and understanding what kind of journey that they were going through um, from, you know, the moment they're at the awareness stage all the way to the consideration and then the decision-making stage and how we could basically equip them or accelerate them through that funnel at each of the stages. And once we understood what they needed, then we just adjusted our own stuff on our end to kind of match that. So for us, it looked like uh, we would qualify the leads. So at first we did it manually. So we would have like a shorter phone conversations with, you know, the leads that were raising their hand and they, and they seemed legit enough. So a shorter intro call where we were basically qualifying, asking our questions to, to see if we want to demo them because you're to your point, you don't want to demo everyone because you'll just burn yourself. Right. Uh, and then with what we learned uh, when we hopped on a demo, then we really trained ourselves to give a demo and not, just pitch the features of our, of our tool because by that point we had 42 different features. So we knew that mm. probably like in 2016 back then, people, they don't want you to pitch them the features. They're on your website. They don't really care about that. What they want is they want you to understand what their problem is and where they're going and how you'll bring them there. So the demo, we got really good at personalizing ourselves to the context of our client. Uh, so we did that. And then once we were good at doing demos, then it was like, okay, how do we go from the demo from having that, that champion or even that buyer like excited about the platform, but how do we go from there to actually purchasing? And then we call that the enabling, enabling phase. And this is where we really made sure that we followed up the right way uh, and, and, and providing them with all the information they needed on top of basically what we given them so far. Okay. And that's really important. You, you, you know, the bit about the, Hey, we have 40 plus different features and going through all of them is going to be ridiculous. And, and I'll, I go back to uh, experience I had as business development manager of an IT firm back 10 years ago in Vancouver. Uh, before I left, we had one product that was a firewall intelligent content filter and it did like four things. Right. And what we would find is people would buy it for one of those four things and they did not care about the three other things you could talk about them and say how great they were and they wouldn't care and they'd buy for that one thing 
the thing that was really amusing to me was six months later, they'd come back and go, hey, we love this product. Uh, what about, and they'd ask about one of the other three things. And I'd have the great joy of telling them you've already got it. You just need to turn this function on. Right. right. So I can imagine a lot of that happening there. So Absolutely. people do not buy your SaaS or your product or service for the thousand things that it does. I have a quote. People, they don't buy a feature. They buy a future. So, mm. so that's what we, we used to go by. Okay. So the results of all this dandying up that you've done and process cleaning up in that are what happened? Yeah. So when we started, we really sucked at it, to be honest. Like right now, like it sounds, it sounds like easy enough, but uh, we weren't qualifying properly. Uh, we were pitching the wrong benefits. So we thought we, we figured it out. We didn't. So I guess I'm saying what I'm saying here is we, we had to, you know, just humble ourselves a little bit and, and really always get back to, it was hard for us at sales because we were working for an amazing company and, and we were like bringing out new features and they were so exciting. And so we'd get excited internally about our features, but then we kind of, kind of forgot a little bit about our clients and about their needs. And then we'd go back to trying to pitch them like the new features and, and like shove it down their throat mm -hmm. when that's not what they needed. So, so we took like, that was quite the journey I'd say, you know, in that, that first six months that we had a sales team to really nail down the process and even ramp ourselves up because we all had to learn as well. Uh, and uh, one thing we had going for us is we were never short of leads. Actually we, mm. we had too many. So at first, you know, it was, it was this balancing, like when do we hire someone like a third person in the team versus when do we uh, maybe like filter more aggressively mm -hmm. the, the MQLs that are coming in. So we, we were always trying to, to balance these two aspects. We didn't want to burn any money and hiring people who wouldn't do nothing. But at the same time, uh, we, we wanted to scale and we knew we had to grow at the same you know. Okay. Yeah. Those are interesting decision points. Uh, let's dig into that. Mm. The, hmm, I'll hop back to something you were just saying, but this, this idea that, okay, we've developed new uh, features and we think they're so great, but the target market doesn't really care, it turns out. And there's that feedback loop and that takes a while and you kind of got to be willing to take the punch, right? This is very common. And I've been copywriting for over 20 years and it, Every time I've sat down to write a sales page or something, the stuff that I thought was important invariably did not matter <laughs> or didn't matter as much as what that target market wanted. And it is, it's almost embarrassing, right? When, you, when you're this supposed really good, uh, competent person at this task, whether it's sales or copywriting, and you know you're going to get it wrong the first time. Right. That is humbling, as you say. And I, and I want to express that to our, our listeners, because it's like you were saying earlier, everybody thinks this is going to be easy. And no, it's not. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to get punched in the face. You're going to realize, oh, man, we were so off target. And some companies are, are not prepared to be wrong or not prepared to take the punch for a little while so that they can iterate to something that does begin to work. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, share a little bit about your experience or your thoughts about that iterative process a little more. Yeah, sure. So 
between day one and, and, you know, the six month mark, I think we, we iterated like 17 version. I, I remember distinctly like V17 of our playbook. And among this, amongst the things that we were iterating on, for example, we had like the buyer persona, right? So mm -hmm. the people we were talking about and we got better at understanding them. And very quickly, we realized that we were talking to quite a few different people like in those organizations. So there was like the, the head of HR. You know, if you look at the large organization, there was like a head of HR, but there's also like the VP of, you know, finance that had his say or the CEO of a smaller organization. And we realized that, it, we might get our messaging right, but just for one type of persona. And mm. we had to redo the work for, for all the different types because you don't talk, you know, like a VP of finance doesn't care about the same things as the head of HR uh, very often. So we had to learn to understand like these different personas. So that's one thing uh, that I can say about the way we were iterating. Uh, and then it was like, you had a, a previous question about how we were, keeping ourselves accountable, like uh, metric wise. So, you know, what were the KPIs? Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, so I think most organizations, at least they will compare themselves like versus themselves historically. So they'll be okay. Last month we were there. And so now let's, let's aim for 20% more or whatever. Uh, but we, uh, I, and we're fortunate because in sales, like it's a developed enough function now that you have a lot of information out there on the web. So uh, by that time, I'm going to plug another organization. I joined the American Association of Inside Sales Professional. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good uh, association. Like if you, if you the, the viewers, if you have like inside sales within you. So there's a lot of like white paper. It's an amazing community, lots of white paper, lots of, of studies that are meta-analysis and all that stuff. And through there, there was the, the bridge group. Uh, that releases once a year a meta-analysis of, you know, all the SaaS companies out there. I think they serve like four or 500 and they break it down and it, it allowed like, like studies like that one allowed us to have a benchmark, which we can compare versus other SaaS out there selling something similar and have a, like a similar ticket. Uh, so we, we knew what, you know, what to go for. And so, uh, so this gave us a lot of confidence when we weren't quite, and, and you know, when you do it just by yourself, you think you're doing good. And then you see what, what others are doing out there and like, you know, what the gap is. And then you can just kind of like reverse engineer from that number and, and figure a way to, to make it work. And, uh, at first, like we, we just, we didn't have any tech stack, so we weren't actually leveraging anything. And so uh, we were mostly manual, uh, but by the end, like we had our process down and we were getting closer to this and, and this is where we started moving the needle in the right direction and doing better. So important to know your numbers and not just like yours in isolation, but in relation to industry standards. There was a video I made a couple years ago, uh, based on some information, a graph I came across about golf, that professional golfers miss 10 foot putts 45% of the time. Huh. And these guys eat, drink, sleep, breathe golf. Like they're superstars at it. They're on TV doing it and they're missing almost half the time at 10 feet. And wow. so how do you think you're going to do? And so if you are missing a lot, I remember this made me feel a hell of a lot better about my short game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. So having that exterior standard uh, to, to base against is Absolutely. really useful for morale purposes. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. Uh, I, I, I love the golf analogy. There's also the baseball analogy with mm -hmm. the, the best sluggers out there. They, right. they, they strike out, they, they miss six times out of 10 or seven times out of 10 and mm -hmm. they still go to hall of fame. So back right. to your analogy. So yeah, that's a really good one. 
right? <laughs> so important to know your numbers. Okay, let's move in to what you're doing now, and then we can wrap up. Tell our listeners who's the right kind of person to be talking to you. Right. So um, I love my time at Office Vibe. We ramped up, you know, to finish the story with them. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we like like in, in less than a year, we pretty we went from the two million AR to nine million AR. Mm -hmm. We have pretty much of a skeleton crew uh, for sales. And then it, it, then it went to a game of like, you know, let, let's just optimize and let's just manage. And, and this is the point where I'm like, oh, actually, I think I'm more of a builder. And so I want to go mm -hmm. back to this really cool space where you start at zero and you just have to go to one or two and you got to go to nine million. Um, so actually what I did is uh, now I'm, I'm doing this, this exact same thing, but I'm doing it on a consultancy basis. And so I help SaaS, uh, not just in HR, but SaaS, but that are all at the same spot. So SaaS that just raised seed money hmm. and now they have to basically validate uh, uh, by getting some clients and, and, but they have no idea how to go about it with, with their sales. And so I help them basically just structure everything sales wise. So either come up with a sales strategy or set up the sales funnel or come up with, you know, like the, the, the research behind their buyers. So help them understand what their buyers need, translating their great features into a future for their buyer and just getting it off the ground for them and uh, reducing the risk that they'll be spinning their wheels for months, if not years, and nothing's going to happen. So that's, that's what I love doing. I take a few clients at a time, and I do it completely remotely, so I can work from Portugal in the winter, which was, you know, my, my dream, uh, part of it anyways. So yeah, so that's what I do. Okay. Best way for people to get uh, in touch with you? Oh my God. So anyway, so uh, LinkedIn, uh, I, I guess we'll put the links, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, Skype, you can find me. If you, okay. you want to chat, you can chat. Otherwise my website, patlevern.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today and sharing this picture of what it really takes to go from doing okay to doing really well in SaaS. Thanks so much for having me. It was a great chat. You bet.